0: Hey hey friends, my name is Aaron and this is my podcast, so welcome to The Thing. Today's episode is brought to you by the Fort PT. PT stands for personal training and what is the Fort PT? It is a fully equipped mobile gym that provides customized personal training to clients according to their individual needs and fitness goals. They also have an animal flow introductory class happening on the twenty eighth of August. That's very popular to the listeners. So the next one, take note, is in. It's gonna be happening on the twenty eighth of August this month. Uh, yeah. Check out their Instagram at the Fort PT for more information. Drop them in a message on IG if you want to as well to find out more. Um, also, if you don't already know, if you are a listener of the well, I mean, if you are, you are, you're listening to it right now. Um, if you mention that you are a listener of the podcast, hashtag Mostly Yoga podcast, uh your first session is going to be free. So yeah, my two you Want to try and get fit? Now's the time. Uh, also, regarding animal flow trainings, uh, there's going to be an intermediate class happening in September, end of the year-ish, for those who have already gone for the first introductory class. Right, anybody that has gone for the first one, uh, you can go, there's something to look forward to um, end of the year for the intermediate one. So stay tuned for that. I'm excited for that as well. Uh, we're going to get to learn some like, it's like, uh, like crocodile roll and, and all, the, all the other transitional stuff. I can't remember what the name is called, how oh, well. Uh, hey, you want to you wanna save the planet? Uh, then cut down on single-use plastics, fucking hell. Start building your own zero-waste plastic kit today with Plastic Free. Free. Plastic Free. What's that? Uh, it's a Singapore-based online store that offers affordable eco-friendly products, from reusable cups to metal straws and other sustainable items that you can use in your daily lives to help keep the use of mint of... Uh, to help keep the use of plastic to a minimum. Ugh, that's what I was trying to say. Join the movement, and together we can make the world a greener place. One cup, one straw, one bag at a time. Use the promo code Mostly Yoga for ten percent off any purchases above thirty dollars. I always feel weird when they say that. Anyway, visit their store at plasticfree.co. All the links or oh, and their IG at plasticfree. Also same name. All the links will be in the description thing below. Okay. Oh, uh, this episode, oof, man. Um, it's it's definitely one of my most memorable ones that I've done. Uh for the reason being that it's Lee of you know, and for most people who listen to the party or who who, or who know me uh n knew that I went on a two hundred hour teaching training recently, like a month ago, about a month ago, yeah. And she was the, she was, you know, my teacher. She still is, right? She's the one that taught, that did the thing. So having her on this, this, this podcast, having her do this with me and having her share her experiences and her journey and me listening to it. Oh man, it was such a great experience. And I would, um, she has a way, man. She has a way with words and, and, I was just spending the whole, I mean, I was spending the whole time trying to hold back tears. I was so fucking emotional during the talk. And even when I was listening to it playback, like when I was doing the editing, I kept like fucking tearing her because it's so, it's such a, it's a nice, oh man, Lee, Lee is just always making people cry. I don't get it. It's such, it's a magic power. Um, and, uh, like just, it makes, oh, I'm lost for words. Yeah, just uh I'll just dive right into it. It gets hocus pocusy at some points. I'll leave you to make your own um you know whatever. Uh halfway through I I think you might hear like some crunching noises. That's just her two cats, uh Mandu and Topoki, um just chewing on food, They're just eating. They just came out of the room and just start chewing on food, not giving a fuck about us just coming out much 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 make noise run around not mindful so rude but so cute um sometimes you're also gonna hear them hopping around it's just like thumping noises they're just jumping up and down the shelves or like sniffing my bag or whatever very very cute okay so yeah if you just hear, hear random noises like that just know that it's that that's what's going on hmm. well i hope you enjoy listening to it very excited to, to, to share this conversation with you, and uh, yeah, without without further ado, let's let's just hear it. Here's here's Lee. Enjoy.
1: You can hear the swallowing. Sorry, okay, well, yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my laughter can be quite loud. <laughs> so you mean You see, it's
2: fine. It's
0: fine. Okay. Hello, Lee. Hello. <laughs> um, Thank you for inviting me to this place your lovely home I finally get to meet your two cats yeah. very nice and Fagan is here with us as well he will be a uh, lifeguard just watching us <laughs>
1: you know? Fagan's my hubby yes
0: <laughs> once in a while if he wants to say something he's welcome to as well okay, okay. alright uh, don't get the nervous okay, <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> hey, you don't <laughs> yeah, know you're so there? nervous <laughs> right <laughs> I'm nervous because like like, you're my teacher. Like, mm. we've been through the TT before. Um, there's a lot of things that I want to know from you. But there's also that, that like, like, uh, like I'm like one level lower. So I'm, I'm a bit intimidated, you know?
1: Well, I'm intimidated by you <laughs> and this little mic. Hey. Okay. okay.
0: okay. Um, so, okay, you're a yoga teacher in mm-hmm. case uh, <laughs> people don't realize it. Mm-hmm. And as a yoga teacher, or, or any kind of teacher for that matter there's a certain level of integrity that you need to uphold, Mm -hmm. right? Especially in in this setting, I guess. So, in a way, you're responsible for passing down knowledge. And in the case of the yogic lifestyle, my question, I guess, would be, what is the yoga lifestyle to you? Or what is being a yogi to you? And do you practice what you preach? Mm -hmm. And then how do you then disseminate that information to other people? Is Mm. that that a good question? It is, it
1: is. Should I speak now? Yes, you may. So I think to be a yogi, I think along the way, I've had different realizations of different identities. But ultimately, I feel that to be a yogi is to be yourself. So when you teach, you teach from a place of sharing, not from a place of instructing or from a place of dogma where mm. people have to conform to a certain lifestyle or even to specific asanas and the expressions in classes that's mm. that's my philosophy. And when you talk about yogic lifestyle, it's like the yamas and the niyamas. Is mm. that what you had in mind?
0: Yamas, niyamas, or even like uh, being a vegetarian, or, or yeah, actually, most of it comes mm-hmm. from the yamas, niyamas, mm-hmm. yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. I think when I started yoga, I wasn't so aware of the yamas and the niyamas. And it's something that along the way, I learned and I studied and I picked it up. And it also took even more time to implement that into my life. I don't feel like it's conscious implementation per se, but kind of like as I start to walk this path, the decisions that I make tend to support the yamas and the niyamas. So for example... Like I often say to you guys, the, the, the essence of the practice is very often intangible. You can't quite tangibilize what part of the practice it is that makes you want to be a better person. But somehow through the practice, you want to be a better person. Does that make sense?
0: It does. Yeah. It does to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and I, I'm not able to verbalize why, but I like to think that it's also that the yamas and the niyamas, they stem from a place of goodness and become this framework that we can mentally use to to guide us on that path but at the same time like i think david was sharing in the tt that a lot of these things that even though he was reading it for the first time it's something that he already wants to be and he already implements in his life to a certain extent so i don't feel that i lost track of your question
0: oh um uh, this is a nice tangent though but mm-hmm. um what is the yogi lifestyle or what is a, what is the yoga lifestyle or what is a yogi to you and do you embody that in your mm. teachings and in your practice
2: mm.
1: so i think to be a yogi if we can mm. even call ourselves that is to be true to yourself mm. you know to to walk the talk to me can mean many different things so in my opinion to walk the talk is to Teach from that place of authenticity, mm. and in order to have that authenticity, you have to live the way yeah. you teach. So,
2: uh-huh.
1: I'm not the kind of teacher who you come in and I say, "Hey, you have to be vegetarian. Hey, you cannot do this. Hey, you cannot do that." So, I guess to a certain extent, there's a bit of flexibility in my lifestyle as well. Mm. Um, I'm working on being a vegetarian. Ooh. It's yeah, it's something that I have wanted to do for a really long time, mm. but I got that commitment to do it sometime in the middle of last year and i've tried many times but i faltered along the way
0: was this for uh, health reasons or just a principle
1: i think it started for health because i don't have a very good digestion Mm. i have that vata digestion you know
0: i know what you're talking about
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah so i I have that and um, along the way i've tried i've played around with being vegetarian i think also like in my earlier years as a Yoga practitioner, not just a teacher. Mm-hmm. I thought it was the right thing to do, but I wasn't quite sure what was the intention behind just
0: being people vegetarian. people tell you to do it, then you, you do it. You yeah, or like
1: there's 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 just this social conditioning yeah, yeah, that yeah. oh, I practice yoga, I must try to be a vegetarian. Uh-huh. So when there's no clarity in intention, I often find that it's very hard to follow through. Mm-hmm. So what really clarified my intention for me was rereading the Jiva Mukti book, mm-hmm. and it talked about vegetarianism as ethics mm. you know and to see that written in a way or tangibilized in a way in Sharon Gannon and David Live's words was a lot more impactful for me than for people to say ahimsa non so mm. don't don't eat me
0: yeah oh that's interesting I've yeah. yet to read that book I plan to
1: hey it's on the list yeah it's on the list <laughs> I, wanna,
0: I wanna plan to read like, all, that, all of them now. yeah that's nice um
1: so I'm, I'm 80% there, uh-huh. but at the same time, I'm still listening to my body. So I right. realized that if I deprive it too soon, then it's kind of easy to kind of hit a wall and be like, okay, you know what, I can't do this. Mm. So I'm pretty much okay with being vegetarian. But for example, during the YTT, for most days, I just had this need for like oily fish.
0: Okay, yeah. wow, that's very specific.
1: Yeah, so I during the TT, I had like, salads or rice whatever but I always have a little bit of salmon mm. or a little bit of mackerel or tuna right
0: yeah. that's not so bad la. I mean mm. like if, if in terms of health you're still you're still checking all the boxes it's just whether mm. or not you have animal products inside lah. correct okay but I'm
1: not like I said I'm not about dogma so yeah. I'm not super strict about it as well. okay so baby steps
0: sure that's the best way to start any habit mm. yeah that's why okay. I think so that's nice um let's talk about the TT what okay. made you want to or what How did you decide that it was like, oh, this is the point that I want to have my own TT?
1: Yeah. Um, I almost feel like it's when you wanted to join a yoga teacher training. Have you ever had that feeling that you're never ready? Like you're not ready to do it? Yeah. You know, and Uh, I think a lot of people have that feeling.
0: Everybody has that that, that thing that holds you back. Like, oh, I won't won't do my TT until this, or until I can do the handstand, or until whatever, whatever, whatever reason. Correct,
1: correct, correct. And I think I felt the same. I felt the same when I was about to do my first teacher training, Mm. like as a participant. And I think I always felt the same about leading a yoga teacher training in that my, for example, my forte is not anatomy. Mm. I don't actually enjoy anatomy that much. So Mm. I always thought that, you know what? I don't think I'm meant to lead a yoga teacher training because anatomy is not my cup of tea. And it's such an integral part of a YTT. But... And along the way, um, I have a super supportive boss mm. at Tom Yoga. Her name is Mel. Mel has been asking me for a few years. And I was tell her, like, nah, I'm not ready this year.
2: Wow, okay. And she's
1: like, no, you should try. I'm like, no, no, no. I will know when I'm ready.
0: Divine timing. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: And I, I, I knew it sometime last year. Um, it just came to me. Mm. And immediately I texted her and I said, you know what? I think I'm ready for one next year. And she's like, okay, just let's like do that. it. What Like yeah.
0: well, You just woke up one day like, oh, I think this is the time.
1: I just had that feeling. Wow. I just had that feeling. Okay. And to be honest, when I got that feeling and I had that conversation with her, I wasn't exactly sure what form the teacher training would take. I knew that in Yoga Alliance's um, kind of like book of requirements, there are certain things that I have to take. Mm. But beyond the framework of that, every teacher training is different. So I... I think it was only until maybe the last two months before the TT that I really tangibilized that super solid intention as wow. to what we were gonna do.
0: And you reinforced that that mm. throughout the entire TT, and and yeah. and that was really nice. Like, like, but I
1: think you guys helped me to reinforce it as well. Mm. I truly believe that every single person on the TT was meant to be on that Whoa. TT. Yeah.
0: How exciting is that? Like, the if you think about it, like. I kind of agree, like I mm-hmm. agree that everybody was there at that, it was really at the right time. Everybody from all these different places came together and we all clicked in that same, uh, you know, situation, that experience, Um, it was quite nice. It was the best experience that I've had as a TT, like, you know, I really like, I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. So how did the planning come about and how did like, um, how did you tell yourself to want to reinforce this? the the, the idea of the TT or what you wanted to instill into others? Mm
2: -hmm. It
1: started as a seed, like a seed of intention Mm. and in the months leading up to the TT consciously or subconsciously I was watering that seed. I wasn't quite sure what seed I planted but along the way I started to realize oh it's an apple tree Mm. and now okay let's prepare to have some apples and When it came to meeting you guys on the first day of the TT, honestly, I wasn't sure. Like, are they? Am I sure they want to have apples? Mm. Maybe they want oranges or or watermelons. Mm. But um, I can't. I can't verbalize it. But I almost feel like it was a synergy that made it happen. Like
0: synergy is a very good word to describe. Yeah, I had
1: that seed of intention. I watered it on my own, Mm. and by doing the lesson planning and all of that. But you guys, in your participation and in your authenticity and that willingness to let down your barriers and be super, super honest with Mm. one another, that was like fertilizer, man. Mm. Yeah. um, That's the way I can see it. So if you ask me, even if I were to lead another training next year with exactly the same intention, I'm not sure it would be an apple tree. Yeah. You know, it might be a banana tree. Right. Yeah. How
0: interesting is that? Hmm.
1: Yeah. And I feel like, Especially when we talk about something like yoga, Mm. there is the black and white stuff, the technicalities that will not change. You know, your right hand is your right hand, Mm. your hip flexor is your hip flexor. But when we talk about the energetics of people coming together, then even having one person in the group or not in the group can alter the the dynamics greatly. Right. So
0: that's true. Yeah. I feel like everybody there played a part in their own way to help move us in a certain direction, which led us to where we are today.
1: Exactly. Yeah.
0: And exactly. that path can never be recreated. Even mm. if it's the same, yeah, it will never be recreated. It's like those few people at that time, mm. this was the outcome.
1: And I feel like at many significant points in the TT, I felt that I was just holding space and redirecting that space mm-hmm. sometimes. But I wasn't injecting my own
0: yeah. um,
1: personality or my own teachings there.
0: That was, part of, that was one of the questions I wanted to mm-hmm. ask. And since you brought it up, let's dive into that. Okay. Um, many questions about that. First of all, how did you manage to be able to hold such a hold that space so well? Like, is it through experience or is it just through... like, like How is it even possible to, to be impartial? To, to let us be vulnerable, to let us open up and still be there and, and hold everything together?
1: Mm. It wasn't hard for me and it wasn't anything that I had to think about mm. specifically. It just came very naturally to me in mm. in that setting and amongst you people.
0: Were you like this at the beginning when you first started teaching? Mm. You want to chant me? You already had, you yeah. already had that... Uh to say, uh. yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I remember in your very first few classes when you were starting out, I remember feeling already um, like little, little effects of what, what uh, I guess Evan and, 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 and the others were experiencing today. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think back then you really had it.
2: Yeah, Whoa. Mm-hmm. maybe, maybe,
1: but I guess experience. I think, Mm. I mean, you're a teacher yeah, yeah, and I mean, we see some pretty crazy things happen Uh in classes, you know, people fall down, they get injured, they have a little incident. And how are we able to hold space for them while continuing to hold space for the other 30 people in Mm -hmm. class? So that's good training. Yeah. And I've had eight years of that. So. Yeah, that's true. So I think like it's also on the job training maybe. Right. Yeah. Okay yeah so to come back to your question, um it was very natural to me, and mm. it didn't feel draining in in any way that I think a lot of people were were anticipating me mm. to feel, yeah like I'll be tired at the end of the day, but and not
0: like 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 physically like drained
1: yeah, I didn't feel dead, that's like impressive, that's, yeah, yeah, but I also feel that it's because I genuinely believe in what I was doing right um. I had that clarity of intention that I was talking about like that I didn't have when I first wanted to be a vegetarian. And I mean, I had a wonderful support system at home. I mean, Fagan was holding fort with the cats. Um, I was able to come home... Really wind down, work on Not the next to worry day's about lesson like, plan. You know,
0: feeding the cats, doing laundry, or whatever the kind of Correct, thing correct.
1: Am. You know, so I had that space to recharge, even though the hours mm. were tight. I mean, we had yeah. really long hours on the TT.
0: Because like you were teaching like two-hour classes in the morning, mm-hmm. you you were you were there before us. You were teaching most of the modules the whole day, and mm-hmm. you know sometimes you get guest teachers, but then most of the time it's you, mm-hmm. and then you have the whole space for all of us with all our our nonsense you know (laughs) and and at the end of the day you you're you're telling me that you you were fine like wow that's really a lot of i don't know what what that is but you have a lot of it (laughs) i the cap the capability the um the uh i don't know yeah Mm. Mm. i think i guess it comes with experience and i guess it comes with with the being having a very clear intention you mentioned
1: it does Mm. but i also think that if you're doing what you're meant to do Mm. then to be really hippie about it there's that infinite amount of energy from the universe that you can tap from and tap into Mm. so it's maybe not just my energy it's from the elements from nature from from the world and the universe
0: that's nice
1: Yeah. yeah
0: going back to the intention um like I said, that you 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 enforced it throughout the whole TT, mm-hmm. um, and you also had this this um, approach that you had about how there's no one rule, there's no like one your triangle must be like that, your order two must be like that. How did you how did you find this approach? Mm. Was it internal, like you sort of discovered it on your own, or was it passed down by somebody, or did you learn it from somewhere?
2: Mm.
1: I think along the way, the teachers that I practice with, they weren't dogmatic about your hand should be here, your hand should be there, which to be fair, other lineages are, and there's beauty in that. But I think what really crystallized and solidified it for me was when I did my teacher training with Jofi. So that was maybe four years into my teaching, and then I did a 100-hour yin yoga and TCM training with her. And if you've been to a training with Jofi or maybe Paul Grilly, Um, they talk a lot about respecting the bone structure and the unique bone structure of the body and how one person who can do something, another person is never able to do that in his or her life, not for lack of trying or lack of practice, but just because of the way their bones are put together. So I think, and seeing live examples in the training and then reading up on my own after that, it just made things so clear for me. Like I've had friends who have done her training and they're like, oh my God, I don't know how to teach now. Mm -hmm. But when I left her training, I felt empowered. I felt empowered because I knew that I was going to step out and re-empower people. I often talk to you guys like when you teach, when you hold the place of a teacher, never take the student's power away. Mm -hmm. I don't think as teachers we go in intentionally to rob them of their power. But I think unconsciously, we sometimes do that. And the thing about it is that students, they're so ready to give their power to you. Tell me where to put my hands. Tell me what to do with my legs. You know, tell me to go further. Tell me to pull back. And you don't know how much power you have in your words when you're standing in front of a room of, I don't know, 10, 20, 30 people. Yeah, so that's...
0: Hmm. hmm. I've never, I think before this TT I've never never thought about empowering people. Mm -hmm. It was always more... um, how do I guide them to a point where they stay in their bodies, where they start to reach that state of flow and they're away from their own thoughts. Mm -hmm. And through that process, they feel better because it was a point of meditation for them through physical practice, Mm -hmm. but never about empowerment and never about, um, um, expressing yourself in a certain way because of your own, uh, body's limitations or or whatever. Mm -hmm. So that was a very nice, um, way of looking at yoga. I felt like through the TTI had been, uh, uh, many different ways of looking at what yoga is had been revealed to me at that point. Uh, to all of us, there was the phys- ph- philosophical side, mm-hmm. there was the physical side, there was the doshas and all these different things that I never really delved into. Mm-hmm. Um, and and all these things had a little like I could re- relate to different parts and I could see how these things could uh, like I resonated with it through through yoga and then I was like how do I how do I pass it on how do I incorporate it in my teachings you know in my own way as well mm. so it was very enlightening
1: Has that changed the way you
0: teach? It has changed like the words I use are a little bit different um, which I also like like learned it from you about like empowering for sure a lot mm. I give a lot of options and not the, the kind of options where Um, you can do this or you can do this or you can do this like there's five different things you can do it's Mm -hmm. more of like if you want to do this you can you can stay here or you can do that maybe Mm -hmm. just stay here it's up to you like there is that, that that option to go all the way up or you stay where you are and either of them are still fine and I like that
1: yeah and even like when you practice in the place of a student it feels good to be to be told that You're okay staying in option one, but you're also okay working up to like funky variations Mm. like Mr. Robert, mm? the Island Whispers. (laughs) (laughs) He has the most variations. And it's okay with that. I'm okay with that as well. That's him. That's
0: his style and he enjoys doing it. And if you were to be that teacher to restrict him, like, no, listen to me. Don't do option three. Just do option one. Then he wouldn't feel empowered. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I I would also say that from that place of that teacher, what was the intention Mm. behind
0: was it to mm. just like, listen to me. I want to be the king of the room. So mm. do as I say. Or, yeah. or, or you know, were you putting your student first? Exactly. So all these things can happen so quickly and you can react to it so fast. Yeah. And then you can walk away. Let's say he Robert does do his thing. Robert being Robert, right? Hands down Robert, <laughs> whatever. And he does his thing. And if you took it the wrong way, he would have left the class feeling like, well, nobody listened to me. I'm a mm. bad teacher. Mm. But that's not the point. Yeah. Like He was just trying to, to do his thing to, to satisfy his um, physical needs. Yeah. And then you not letting him do that was uh, was on your own fault in a way. You know? Yeah,
1: yeah. But the thing is, you know, we are having this luxury to talk about understanding that mm. it's not me and it's also not him. It's just the way it is. Mm. But I don't think many of us realize that. And I didn't realize that when I was a new teacher as well. It was always like my way or the highway, mm. right? So to be able, that's why as part of the TT, it was important to me that we don't fortify dogma.
2: Mm.
1: You know, you have your way; somebody else has his or her way, and it's great. Both are great.
0: Mm. 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 This feels like TT all over you. <laughs> Hearing all these words, always uh, Speaking. Of, okay, yeah. So there was one point in the TT where you where you were taught, telling us about preparing for class, and you mentioned that how you you don't come in empty-handed. Yeah. 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 So, what do you mean by that? Like, do you uh, what are your your steps, what are your preparations that mm-hmm. you take before a class? Mm-hmm. Like do you, uh, let's say like I, I come half an hour earlier, I look at who's coming, is there pregnant people, is there injured people, and you change accordingly. Mm-hmm. What's your procedure?
1: Well, I will always have a sequence. Mm. So I know teachers who go in and wing it and they do a beautiful job of doing that. But that's not, way I do it. That's not the way that I was trained. So I was trained in Bali, my first teacher training. It's with a teacher called Emily Kusa. And Emily, um, there are parts of her that still live on in me as a teacher. And one of it is this discipline to always coming prepared. Because we have to understand that if people choose to spend their hour, 75 minutes or 90 minutes with you, they made that choice. You know, we're just we're not just walking in to deliver a class and then walk out. We're there to spend time with people who chose to spend time with you. What can we offer them? So to me, I would always, always go and prepare. And I would go to the studio early as well, but I don't know about the system you guys use, but on our system, not every pregnant lady is locked down. Sometimes they, sho- they choose to drop in. So... Have a little flexibility in that case, but I would still pretty much always have a framework from which I work from. Hmm. Mm. Yeah. So that to me is being prepared, going in with an intention, so clear intention, mm. and then have a sequence that supports that intention.
0: I like that you say uh, about connecting, mm-hmm. and this was also part of the thing that you you emphasise a lot in the TT mm-hmm. about how you need to connect with the people that you're teaching to. Yeah. How, how do you, in your own way, connect to people, mm-hmm. to, to your students? Mm.
1: I think it helps when there is a base of regular students because mm. there is already a bit of connection. A rapport. That, la, yeah, yeah a, a rapport. But if it's somebody newer to me, somebody that I don't know, I will not force that connection because some people will connect with you and some people won't mm-hmm. but maybe i may go over and have like give them a gentle touch on their hands like a grounding touch and downward mm-hmm. dog where you put palms on top of their hands and sometimes that's just enough mm-hmm. yeah i think one of the things like to circle back to what we were talking about during the tt i think one of the things that gave me energy from holding space for you guys was the connection that i had with all of you mm-hmm. so having that connection Gave me a sense of purpose as well, as opposed to I'm just delivering my material in front of 17, 18 people.
0: Mm. Yeah. Oh, that's true. I mean, like half of the people, almost 90% of the people that were in the TTU knew on, on some level, like yeah. familiar faces or people from the retreat or whatever.
1: Yeah. And well, even you, like we didn't know each other very well before then, but through the TT, I felt like I was connecting more and more to you. Mm. And yeah, having that connection gave me the energy to hold that space as well. Mm. So, and I feel like to me, you know, like as a teacher, some, day, some days you teach a class and like, yeah, didn't feel amazing. But other days you teach a class and you're like, yeah, that felt really, really good. Mm. For me, beyond like the delivery of the sequence, beyond whether people understood your words or your instructions or not, for me, an amazing class is when you have that connection with the room and with the students. And it doesn't it doesn't have to be a crazy sequence yeah. or like a fanciful one. It's just to have that connection. That's that let's, magic. Think, let
0: think about this. Like, what is that connection? How do we define it? Because that connection is something that's intangible. It is not like a eye contact. It is not like a touch. Mm-hmm. It is just like everybody's in sync in that moment. And all our, all our energies are, are aligned. Mm-hmm. And then we were in that moment together. Mm-hmm. And that bonded us for some reason. Yeah. But, but how do we break it down? Like, well, What is this connection? And if we understand it a little bit more, then we can uh, uh, recreate uh, it again, right? We can mm-hmm. replicate it again because we understand it. We know the formula of getting it, but mm. what is it?
1: I think the magic is that we cannot tangibilize it and mm. we cannot have a formula for it. Mm. Because like I said, depending on whether one extra person is in the room that or not true. at that point in time, changes that everything changes already. everything, wow. right? I mean, I'm sure you felt it when yeah. you teach classes.
0: Yeah, yeah. That one person just throws you off.
1: Wow. Yeah. In a good or a bad yeah,
0: way, yeah. right?
1: I. Mm, You can edit out the pauses, right? I can, (laughs) Which I I know you won't. Okay. So I feel like, for me, um, when I hold the space as a teacher in the room, I almost feel like I'm conducting the energy in the room. It's almost Mm -hmm. like a wave of energy. And when the wave is smooth, it's kind of when you feel like everybody is in sync. But if like the wave is scattered, like people are all over the yeah. place. You have to expend energy to kinda of pull, pull everybody back. together, yeah, that's you what know. I
0: mean I, to me that's the definition of holding space where like like everybody's all like, oh I'm a bit, I'm a bit confused here, Oh, I'm a bit like mm. yeah, then you you're like sort of pulling everything back. That to me it is the definition of holding space, as well as like holding space in front of someone who's being vulnerable. Yeah. But that requires energy and that happens a lot in a basic class where where People are confused, they're looking around, they're yeah. being self conscious, they're, they're just like all over the place. And then it's up to you to like uh, bring everything back. Correct. Yeah.
1: I think it's hard to teach a basics class.
0: It is. Mm-hmm. But it's sometimes really fun. Like, I think one of my favorite classes to teach is basics. Really? Because, um, for one thing, it's very fulfilling to have people uh, have yoga breakthroughs, right? Mm-hmm. And that comes a lot from basics, teaching beginners. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, it's easier to hold space because people look up to you mm-hmm. like what what can you like what, what can you teach me today? Mm-hmm. Whereas when you teach a flow sometimes the, the practitioner is more advanced than you. Mm-hmm. So they are like have high expectations and that may not that you may not meet. So mm-hmm. that can be intimidating.
1: What do you mean by more advanced?
0: So when well, the first time I taught a flow class and everybody came in and they can all do handstands mm-hmm. and stuff, you know, they were just start prepping, they warm up in front of the mirror and then I come in with my like easy sequence and like, oh no uh, you know, are you enjoying it? Yeah, I wouldn't know what. Mm. And then sometimes because the, the the advanced practitioner is very, um, yeah, they have expectations. I'm here for, for, you know, I'm here for the the flow class and not the beginner big class, you know. Mm. So they expect a certain level of, of difficulty to challenge them. And if they are not challenged, then they, like, you can start to see them, uh, hopping into their own handstands or doing yeah. their own transitions, you know. Yeah. So that, By doing that, it's intimidating Mm -hmm. at first when I first did it. Then afterwards, I realized it's just just them being them. You know, they want to do it, let them do it. Mm -hmm. So it's how you perceive it as well.
1: Yeah. And I think if you... I was like that as well when I started teaching and I burned out so quickly. Mm. Because how many fancy things can you do in class? You know, and there comes a point where you start to ask yourself, am I teaching yoga or am I teaching like tricks? that's true right and it's a I feel like that's not a very sustainable way to teach and that's also not a very sustainable way to
0: practice
1: unless you have like super super good amounts of body intelligence and mm. body armor yeah um, mm.
0: what is the what is the asana practice to you
2: mm-hmm.
0: is it about poses is it about engagement is it about um, I don't know
1: I used to be an asana junkie, mm. yeah, um, when I first started my, my practice journey. Okay, so I, shall I talk about how I started yeah, yoga? Sure. Okay, so I started when I was 20, officially. Mm. Um, I've been walking past the shop house in Gyeongsai Road, and back in the day, right, yoga was not the hip thing to do, and it's kind of hard to find yoga classes. Mm. So there was this little pamphlet outside, and it said yoga every Wednesday night. So I walked past it many, many weeks and I looked at the thing and then I walked away because my parents' home was nearby. And then I had this traumatic breakup in, at that time. Broke up from who I thought was the love of my life. And at the same time, my dad was going through some personal struggles of his own. He was having depression. Mm. And I just felt like my whole world was crashing down on me. And on that day, I walked past I picked up the pamphlet and I went to class the next week. So the teacher who who was there, his name is Sunil Dahiya. So he was from Delhi and he taught like his own form of yoga. He calls it gastat yoga. I tried to Google it many, many times. Cannot find anything about it. So it's quite dynamic, but he wasn't dogmatic about where we place our hands and our feet either. Yet he had like a little bit of an ayanga influence. So he had the chairs in the room sometimes to, for us to do our headstands. So that was my first entry into yoga. Kind of asana, because I look to it as a little bit of a physical release. But what really drew me in during those sessions were the meditation, the long meditations after. So it's like a 90 minute class. We'll spend maybe 60 minutes moving, we'll be in shavasana. And for the next 30 minutes, is like yoga nidra,
2: wow. like
1: meditation. Of course, I didn't know what it was then. I just really enjoyed it, and he would always ask us like, "Where are you in your body? You are not your toes. You're not your fingers." And that really like appealed to my curiosity. I want to find out where am I in my body? Am I in this body at all? Mm. You know? And I had this. I started to have this amazing student-teacher connection with him as well. So that was my first kind of like official intro into yoga. And after practicing with him for about a year, I had to go to India for a student exchange program. So I thought, no problem, go to India, confirm I can find a yoga teacher, right? Couldn't find any because I was in like a little village in Ahmedabad, um, in Gujarat. No yoga studios, nothing. So I kind of fell off the bandwagon of practice for half a year.
0: Oh, so you were there for like six months? Yeah, I was there for wow, six okay. months.
1: Then I came back and he had left because uh, his visa couldn't be renewed and that studio closed down shortly after. So after that one year of practice with him, I was left like stranded, Mm. abandoned. And like I said, back in those days, yoga was not everywhere. There was no yoga movement,
2: Mm. no home yoga, right?
1: Mm. So for a good part of three to four years, my yoga practice was VCD with Rodney Yee. So Rodney is this American yoga teacher and I, I like him. So yeah, that was my yoga practice for four years, five years, until my best friend introduced me to home Yoga. Um, home at that time, it was a hot yoga studio, very physical in their practice. And I liked it. And I liked the physicality of it. And it was the physicality of it, the asanas and the funky stuff that drew me in. But I remember that, I don't know, maybe two years in, into that journey, one day I just started to ask myself, like, what's the point? Of doing this, what's the point? And then I picked up the book by Jiva Mukti, the the book on Jiva Mukti Yoga, and in it was a paragraph that spoke about bhakti, mm-hmm. devotion, devotion to the divine. And in that chapter, what the authors were saying is that if there's no devotion, it's not yoga. So I read that chapter with a pinch of salt, but then in it there was an invitation, was that the next time you step onto the mat for your yoga practice why don't you choose to offer your efforts back into the universe or back to god whatever your your interpretation of the divine may be i tried it out and it was in like a hot flow class with a super hardcore teacher i loved the physicality of it but often left like after the 70 75 minute class feeling like winded and like wiped out but that day just before she came in to start class i was in child's pose and it's Turn my palms up, and I tried, okay, you know, for, for my practice today, I'm going to offer up my efforts to the divine. Practice that day was like a walk in the park. It felt so easy and so effortless. There was a, it was intangible, yet it felt that everything that I had been looking for and chasing for were in those moments. And I think that's when my practice started to take a turn for something different.
0: Mm.
2: Mm.
0: Let me think about this. Yeah. Uh, that was a nice story. Um. I had a lot of questions to ask when you were, but I wanted to let you finish. Oh no, I forgot my train of thought. What the? Yeah. Stand. And, uh, Oh yes, okay. What made you flip the palms open? This was a sign for you to take the vote, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, okay, so then, why, why then did the practice suddenly become easy? How did that intention of devotion equals easier practice?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Did you, did
0: you like reflect on it?
1: I did, but I didn't get an answer mm. for many years. The physicality of the practice didn't didn't change. It was still in a heated room, it was still a very challenging flow sequence with a very asana advanced teacher. But I think what happened in that practice that shifted me was my intention behind the practice. I wasn't practicing for my ego anymore. Mm. I was practicing to release my ego because I'm offering everything that I get from the practice Back right.
0: out there, and then how did the body react, or how did the mind react because of that intention? In that certain way, how's str- I'm like trying to figure out, like, what the what, how does this work? You know,
2: I'm not sure. Right,
1: I'm not sure. Um, I'm not sure. But, Just, I, but I, I know. think,
0: like, how that simple intention mm-hmm. of like, I mean, it's so it's, it's it's not the practice, it's not the teacher, it's not you but yet the, the intention by changing that one thing everything else changes mm-hmm. you know but uh, everything else is like the, the, the class the, the, the room the space it's all the same the same equation but because one thing changes every the result changes already
1: you know what we were talking about like that one verse in the Bhagavad Gita that really spoke to you so much yeah. so that in the first weekend after the TT you texted me yeah, on a yeah, Monday yeah. morning do you want to tell them?
0: it's about um
1: Krishna and Prince Arjuna um
0: It's not about the, uh, you don't, you don't deserve, it's not about the, I I have this at the (laughs) tip of my tongue. It's not about the work, but you don't, you know, you take it. You
1: have a right to the work, but not to the results of Mm. the work. And I think if I really had to break it down, I think that might have been what shifted my practice. So oftentimes when, especially when we're talking about an asana driven practice, we do things with the intention that we will get stronger, more flexible, nail that asana, do that something else. That's the attachment to mm. the results, mm. right? But if you just do the work without any attachment to the results, then that's exactly what Bhagavad Gita is talking about.
0: Ah, oh, what a beautiful... So I think maybe Same. like the,
1: the, 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 the detachment from needing the practice to give you something was my freedom mm. from from the practice in the practice mm, mm,
0: mm, mm. yeah. Aparigraha
1: kind of, yeah ah, you learned something
0: Aiyo. weren't sleeping at the back as I yeah. suspected you were <laughs> yeah, I'm paying attention
1: <laughs> you know how many times I called you <laughs> out during the yamas and niyamas I think it was
0: that, that, that day lah, right? oh. I, think I was just like very comfortable putting the blocks behind me <laughs> and chilling yeah uh how do you feel after the TT has been over?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, how has that grown? How have you grown as a person because of it?
2: Mm.
0: Has anything changed?
1: I think I felt as lost as you guys did. Mm. Uh, the first week after the TT.
0: How come? Well, like, why like, would you feel? Why would you have felt lost?
1: Oh, It's like for 10-11 hours a day, I'm with you guys. 10-11 mm. of my waking hours, I'm with you guys. And then... That Sunday that we ended, I'm like, oh, I can sleep without an alarm, but I woke up at like six. Huh. I, oh, where do I do? Where Where do I go? What do mm-hmm. I do? Oh, I have nowhere to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So there was that little bit of a adjustment period. Yeah, that's true. And also, like we're talking about connection earlier, I had the privilege of connecting with you guys and teaching from that space of connection, mm-hmm. which is such a beautiful thing to experience as a teacher. And then I was going back to public classes where, yeah, there are regular students, but they're also like a lot of uh, drop-ins. I'm like, oh, now I have to hold a different kind of space. Hmm. So, so I, I took a week to adjust, and then I got over myself. He Fagan told me, "Don't be spoiled. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be spoiled by teaching teaching you guys." Yeah. Yeah, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, I shouldn't be spoiled, and then. You know, just shift the mentality and mm. everything will follow.
0: I mean, it's. It, I think it's normal to have that adjustment period. We all had the first week when I went back to training. I don't, I can't remember if is it if it was the first five days before the weekend, the mm. exam, or was it the week after. But that week I taught terribly. I, every class I was like, I was just not like, it, I was all over the place. Because after the, 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 the 16 day stint, mm. I was mentally all over the place, and I could. I took a long time to bring myself back into my own mind, into my own like body. I couldn't teach very well. I was forgetting things. I didn't feel my sequence was very uh, uh, good. Mm. I could see people like being. I was just being very self conscious. Mm. Um, and then I think the week after when we were when we were done with it, there was one day where I taught something new, and then it didn't work out. Like, it, I ended, like, 20 minutes early. Like, wow. like I think it was a 75-minute class, and I ended, like, like like 45 minutes, I was, like, done already. Did you then give
1: everybody shavasana adjustments?
0: I did. No, <laughs> like, I, I was, like, done. I still, had like, half an hour left. So I just did a long 15-minute, like, cool down. Then I was, like, well, I still have 15 minutes left. Then I was, like, do I just end it and pretend it was a 60-minute class? <laughs> then, like, no, like, if I, it's, like, I, I need to do a bit more. Then like I will have ten minutes left. So it's like I can't really end here. It's like not here, not there. So I was like, okay, I'm just gonna shoot like a long shavasana, and then I did like a bit of yoga nidra thing. And then at the end, I sort of like, I apologized, but I wasn't like upset. I was just like, like I saw so at the end, uh, okay, thanks for class, everyone. Now I sort of like, like looked to my like I sort of like thinking to myself, uh, yeah, sorry guys that it felt a bit weird. I was trying something new. Um, it was a long cool down. Like, yeah, I'll I'll, I'll, I'll go back and think about this. Mm-hmm. I, I sort of said that to the people and there were, I think there were like less than 10 people in class, maybe like seven. Mm-hmm. And then all of them were very supportive. They were like, no, it's, it's fine. Don't worry about it.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And then some of them also, uh, there was like these two friends and they were, one of them sort of like said very loudly, like, Oh, that was a nice class. Like it was a nice cool down. I like that it was long. She was sort of saying it to a friend loudly, yeah. so that I heard it in a way. It was a nice, That's it was nice, nice gesture. Yeah. yeah, but then I was like, I mean, I was appreciative. Like that was a nice thing for everybody to do. Um, but also, like I wasn't hard on myself. It was more of like, why am I, why am I still like that? Why am I still all over the place? I need to, I need to snap out of this. You know. Uh, And then, like, one of them, one of the the students talked to me after class. She happened to be a teacher at Shiva. Shout Mm -hmm. out to Shiva Yoga. Never been, but I'm sure they got good teachers there. Um, She said, like, yeah, um, it was fine. Like, next time you don't have to say this. Like, people won't really know. And blah, blah. She just gave me some words of encouragement, which I appreciated at that time. Next class uh, didn't go that well either, but at least I was still better than that first class because I I sort of like admitted it. I, I admitted a bit of defeat at that point. Um, but yeah, still very confused and it took me a long time to sort of find my bearings again, trying to incorporate what I learned into what I already knew, into something new mm-hmm. for a place that was, had their own set of rules, you know? Yeah. So it was, uh, it was, a, it, yeah, it was a transition. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah.
1: I think two things, um there was nothing wrong with apologizing I think if whatever you said came from a place of authentic- authenticity and it's you being you mm. then why not you know
0: yeah, yeah I didn't feel that it was a bad thing to, I didn't like oh no don't apologize but I, yeah. I, I felt like yeah I just yeah like let's all not like, kid kill ourselves that was a long shavasana <laughs> like, like something was wrong and I knew I know that y'all know and, and I, I want to admit it you know mm-hmm. yeah
1: but if if you think about it if you were a student in your class and the teacher who's like you did the same thing if I were a student I'll feel great respect for the teacher because it takes guts to admit that one is wrong as opposed to trying to smooth it over and pretend you know and what's wrong with being wrong we're human right we're not robots we're not here to churn out like perfect classes after perfect classes is there really such a thing as a perfect class I don't know that's true yeah.
0: I guess this is all part of the journey. La. It e- is. Even having taught for about a year now, mm-hmm. there's still a lot of things that I'm learning. Mm-hmm. I'm finding out not only about the teaching journey itself, but about me, my own journey through teaching. Mm, yeah. yeah. I
1: mean, also, like during the TT, we were excavating so much, you yeah. know, like under the layers. The rugs and the years layer and layer and layer, 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 yeah. layer right? So I mean, like after sixteen days, of course you would feel lost, cause like you're in those sixteen days, you you had to confront parts of you that maybe you buried or maybe you didn't even know were there, you know. And what do you do with all that information? You you had to have that 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 time to kind of like integrate mm-hmm. and make sense of it, yeah. So I feel like you were very brave to return to teaching so soon.
0: And no choice. <laughs> <laughs> Let's put it down but as bravery. <laughs> Uh, she's
1: saying hi to your bed. Hello. That's Topoki, one of my cats. Yeah. Yeah. It's exploring. Yeah, she's the curious
2: one.
0: I want to talk about Ayurveda and how mm-hmm. you got into it.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I don't think I've ever heard anything about. It. I mean, I heard about it. I heard the word, but I had no idea what it was. I just know that it's like some, some, some like ancient. Uh, TCM kind of thing, or oh. yeah, yeah. And yeah. Then you re- you you shared with us a little bit more about it, and you seem to be very well knowledgeable about it. Mm-hmm. You're aware of like all the doshas and the different types, and even down to sequencing and mm-hmm. how to pacify certain dosha types. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah,
1: um, I love Ayurveda, mm-hmm. and I feel like you know when you when you first started BJJ. Mm-hmm. Did you feel like a certain affinity towards it? That's why you keep going? Yeah. I think it's the same for me in Ayurveda. Like, um, Officially, after I was exposed to it, it just resonated in my soul. And when it resonates with you, it's not hard to understand. Mm. But the same way that I have a good friend, Kat, who who taught you guys in the TT. She's into TCM. It's easy... It's relatively okay for me to understand the concepts, but I'm not able to resonate with it the way she does.
0: Hmm, That's interesting.
1: So, unofficially, my first um, introduction to Ayurveda, I think I was in primary school. I had very bad lungs. so I was always coughing and sometimes so bad that I'll be up at night coughing and I can't go to school. And I think my parents, especially my dad, he was feeling a bit desperate already. Wow, okay. And my, my dad, like, um, he has he, he worked for the civil service, like he's retired now, but he had a lot of friends who would introduce him to like Indian astrologers and um, fortune tellers and all yeah. of that. And he I was think into
0: that. Like, he was into all that kind of. He was into that. Whoa, okay. so, you
1: know, like people ask me like, why are you into Indian things? I don't know. Ask my dad. Hmm, <laughs> he's right? Chinese though, like Franakan yeah. Chinese, um, but yeah. So one of his friends introduced him to this. They said, medicine man. Who's Mm. visiting from India? And I think he was so desperate that he brought me there. I don't remember much of it because I was really quite young. But I remember laying down on this like bed in the, my parents were with me. And I don't know, like he fashioned some ash out of thin air. Wow,
0: really medicine man, yeah?
1: Made me drink it. And then I had to go home with homework. So I had to draw like uh, symbols every day for 81 days. Which was torture for a primary school kid, right? Like it's something I really hated to do, but I had to do it because my dad would like literally look over my shoulder and make what? sure that I finished that it. That
0: was the, his, his cure? Yeah. Huh? But
1: believe it or not, I was cured. I was cured. But I didn't understand that, you know, and I didn't understand how sick I was. Uh-huh. But it's, until this day, it's something that my parents, especially my dad, he talks about very fondly. So that was my unofficial introduction to Ayurveda. Cause I mean like, if you think about it like wow drawing things right sounds mm. more like magic than ayurveda yeah. but in ayurveda like we use gemstones we use mantras yantras the, the drawing of mandalas mm. all these are part of the healing process depending on what you're healing so I'm not sure what I was deficient or imbalanced in but that helped me
0: What kind of symbols were you drawing like like uh... I can't
1: remember can't remember I really want to remember but I can't
0: oh.
1: Yeah yeah. What
0: a strange experience. Yeah. Go there and drink some burnt like, ash. Yeah,
1: my it. mom was there until today. My mom also said, Yeah, you know, he fashioned it Whoa. out of his hands. Whoa.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so, so so since ever since then and then when you got when you felt better, mm-hmm. then you were like, Oh, this this thing works. And Then as an adult. Well, then you I, went I was too, I was
1: yeah, I was too young then to kind to of understand. like put it all together. And to be honest, I don't even know how I started to to study Are You Better? Mm. Um, it might have been when I was a journalist and I was writing BBC Good Food I was writing for BBC Good Food and every month we will have this column where we explore different diets like the blood type diet mm. da, da, da. and one of the months I was exploring Ayurveda so as part of my research for my article I had to really dive in I spoke to Ayurvedic chefs I spoke to Ayurvedic doctors and I realised that somehow whatever they said deep 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 down inside it clicked and it's almost like I already knew Mm. I just needed to be reminded oh
2: goosebumps
0: oh me too yeah okay
1: so I think that just started Um, I was very lucky to be working in food writing and I was always extra passionate when I had to review an Indian restaurant Mm. extra passionate if the Indian restaurant had an Ayurvedic influence to it and I think along the way, I just picked up more and more information. Um, mm. And I started to read on my own. Uh, I'm doing an online course with David Frawley. He's based in America, but he's... I think he's an Indian <laughs> trapped in a... Oh, can I say that? <laughs> trapped in That's a white man's correct, body. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. yeah, so this mm. is like my official path of, of learning Ayurveda. Mm-hmm. But I kind of feel like I already know it, which is why it comes so easily to me.
2: Mm. Hmm. Okay. The
1: same way body intelligence comes easy to Fagan, for example. Like there's just those cells that are naturally receptive to that, maybe. Okay.
0: Hmm. How does it translate in in the yoga um, world? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. How does Ayurveda relate to yoga?
1: Well, traditionally, it's like the sister sign. So they are Hmm. used um, in tandem. And when we talk about yoga in the traditional sense, it's not just asana, right? Hmm. And yoga, whether it's meditation, pranayama or simple asanas, they can be used to balance certain imbalances in the doshas from an Ayurvedic point of view. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And the same way, the way I sequence some of my classes, Ayurveda can be the framework in which asana then helps us to address certain imbalances. Mm-hmm. You know, like we have the Pita pacifying flow, vata-pacifying flow, Kaffa, pacifying flow, and it's all different intentions. Mm. Mm. And it helps me as well in my in my in my own life. So, I'm not strictly strictly Ayurvedic. I'm not strictly anything, mm. but uh, I find my own balance implementing certain principles of that into my lifestyle. Okay. Yeah. Oh a
0: lot to think about I feel like you've opened a lot of doors for me to go and like research like, okay I gotta go read the book, got to go and find like an Ayurvedic doctor or something the one that you mentioned Yeah. I have yet to go um,
1: but it's only if it resonates with you right because I mean, you don't have to be into Ayurveda to be a good yoga teacher yeah but
0: like the things that that, that you shared it, it did click. Mm. certain things connected like yeah oh yeah maybe I do feel like Um, I feel like I'm a stereotypical vata. Mm -hmm. I'm cold and my body is bendy and like I'm Mm. in this certain frame. I can't gain weight for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. And it's nice to, to, to like, um, like you, you know, certain things that are happening in your body that, that you only, you will know.
2: Yeah.
0: And, and now that you, you have this, like this new, um, framework framework Mm -hmm. to work with, like, oh, so that's why this has been always happening or why, like, uh, I get cold easily and like, or oh, oh, whatever, like, and I, I need sense. the AC to yeah. be on. <laughs> I'm <Peter. laughs> So now it makes sense and then like, oh, I want to learn more. I want to find out more and that that I can help to adjust my own uh, levels of, of, of dosha. Yeah. So yeah. it's nice. I do want to make that trip down to the Ayurveda doctor and see what, mm. what he or she can offer me. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. Yeah.
2: Mm.
1: Yeah. I, I love Ayurveda. My husband's not so much into it. Um,
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> he goes so with so me. He yeah, he goes with me to the Ayurvedic he doctor tries not sometimes. To roll his eyes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the the doctor gave him a bottle of oil to, to put on his knees because his knees were sore. Uh, he put it one time, and then after that, the bottle was just like collecting dust at the side.
0: <laughs> okay, let's talk about some practical stuff. Okay. Um, what a, have you ever had any struggles with teaching? Yeah. Yeah. From Say from the beginning when you first started out till now, Mm -hmm. um, what are some of the struggles? What is one of the most memorable instances that you had to deal with? Mm -hmm. And how has that changed Mm -hmm. over the years, having more experience?
1: Well, I shared briefly that when I first started teaching, I thought that I had to just pull out all the stops and teach the really advanced asanas and make people sweat and curse and be like, oh, that's a really tough class and I derive like pleasure from it. Do you go through that? Yeah. Yeah. I
0: mean, maybe not, but I, I, it's a very common kind of style to teach. I just, Correct. just kill people. Yeah. Correct. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You know, and people like to be killed mm. to, to a certain extent, but six months into teaching, I was just burnt out and six months is a really short time to be burnt out mm. if, you're, if you're looking at teaching yoga as a career of longevity. So I, I took a break, I went back to Bali, and I practiced a little bit with my teacher Emily and a few other teachers in the Yogaban and Near Alive, and I just started to question like, what is it about practicing in Bali that makes me feel so fulfilled? In Ubud, actually, what is it that makes me feel so fulfilled about the practice, like There are practices that are a little bit more challenging, asana-wise, but there are also practices where the flow is very simple. But I leave feeling so put together. And then I came back and I decided that you know what, the way I was teaching is not sustainable because I'll probably teach another year and be like, you know what, teaching yoga is not for me. So I started to try to distill the essence of what made me feel so good in those classes, and I started to bring elements of that into my teaching. I I was teaching at home yoga at that time. I still am, mm-hmm. um, and at that time, home was a heated studio, very asana-driven. But I started to bring in like the words, like poetry or, or quotes that I heard and I really resonated with. And that re- that that degree of resonance really adds a different layer of meaning to that hour you spend on the mat. And I think it resonated with uh, people. It was it was meant to resonate with. Mm-hmm. And slowly, slowly, that changed up the way I teach. And then there was that pivotal point in my teaching journey where I pra- uh, I trained with Jovi, so that was another big another shift. Yeah. yeah, another breakthrough. And I remember sometime around then uh, I was teaching at the Orchard Studio, and I remember going into the shower after teaching three classes. and I'm like, I'm never going to be a very asana-driven teacher, you know. It was the way I started my journey, but it's not what I'm interested in offering anymore in my classes, and I started to ask myself, if I can't help, or rather, if if I'm not invested in, in, in a strong asana practice per se, what sort of a teacher am I going to be? And that was a little bit of a dilemma that I was in for quite a period of time. And one day in that orchard shower, it came to me. I'm not going to be the teacher who can teach people like the funky, who wants to teach people the funky stuff. But I'm going to be the teacher whom hopefully my students will be the happiest people. And that solidified my, that clarified my intention. And teaching yoga became easy. I mean and I mean happy is a is a loaded word, right? What is happy? You know, to me to be happy is to be able to be with yourself. To be able to be in those states of confusion and anxiety and frustration and recognize that and be okay with that. There's a certain sense of freedom in giving yourself permission to not be okay. In giving yourself permission to sit with the discomfort. That sort of freedom, to me, is infinite happiness. Mm.
0: Yeah. yeah, Two things. First of all, how you've managed to find such epiphanies that come so naturally to you, so clearly to you. That's very impressive, if, if, if anything. And secondly, by sharing this intention, to me, or to, to, the, to the TT or, to, or now on the people that listen to this podcast. It gives us a better idea of what our intention or what our possible intentions could be. Mm-hmm. Happiness to everybody is defined differently. Um, and that intention as general as it sounds can mean different things to everyone else. And it's nice that like now I have this another framework just like the Ayurveda instance of now something else to work towards to besides the asana. Because a lot of people, Uh, Yoga teachers. I mean, a lot of yoga teachers. That is the point. The point is to be able to do the the best asana, Mm
2: -hmm. right?
0: It has always been about asana practice. Rarely do we have um, any of the other eight, uh, any of the eight limbs, or any of the bhakti, or anything else that is involved aside from asana. Especially in today's modern yogi world, Um, so it's nice and it's refreshing to be able to hear this different point of view. And I like it as well. I resonate with it. I want my students to be happy as well. Whether is it through being able to do the handstand, or whether is it just being able to sit in that discomfort mm-hmm. and empowering us, or, or or anything, you know?
1: Yeah. Can I share something? Yes. So you know we have like yogi bodies, like mm. people who naturally have that physical talent to do like the bendy shapes. And then we have less yogic bodies, right? So when I was young, I was super flexible. And yoga was not hard for me. So when yoga is not hard for you, you want to do every asana. And you want to do more and more asanas. So I was always chasing that, that asana high. But when... what? So I, I shared that I started yoga when my dad started to, to have depression. And it's not something that goes away in three months. Mm-hmm. It's something that um, him and the family works through for several years. And watching him, he was healthy. He, 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 he is healthy. He was healthy then, physically. But because of the state of his mind, he started to neglect his body. He didn't want to take his um, hypertension medication, blah, blah, blah. And eventually it led to him having a stroke because he wasn't taking care of his body. And I realized that no matter how much we master the body, if we are still enslaved by the mind and our thoughts, we will never truly be free. We will never truly be free. And I think that was another pivotal point in my journey as well, um, to see that with my dad. And I mean, these things change you, right? So... Yeah, and I realized that no matter how much I progress in asana, so what if I can do that split? So what if I can do that headstand? Am I happy? (laughs) Am I really happy? I'm not sure. Yeah, so that's when I realized that to question and to get to know the mind and the self, self with a capital S, is a lot more important than chasing that next asana
0: mastery of the mind yoga chitta vritti niro, yeah yeah but i mean easier said than done no yeah.
1: it's 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 difficult and it's something that i'm still working on for sure
0: the true self was also another idea that you um uh, what's the word? Shared? In, uh, shared in the in the tt mm-hmm. and i like that idea so of like we are not who we really are mm-hmm. we are not our bodies we are not our, our thoughts mm-hmm and 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 bring that awareness back to us yeah like who are we who 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 are we really the true self with mm-hmm. an s yeah. with a capital s yeah. it is something to think about and it is true that the awareness of of practicing yoga that we are uh, being able to be aware yeah. of that self um and that's another level like that these levels come through practice mm. practicing of the yoga and slowly slowly uh, it re- it's revealed to us through through tangible or intangible ways.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I feel like it's the practice of yoga in its holistic form, not just asana, but also meditation. Mm. Um, I don't know; it's a loaded word, but I feel like meditation is so important. Yeah, but it's not something that we get to share or hold space for a long time in you know, a in a regular studio setting. And mm. I respect that. But I often find that the big changes happen when we give ourselves permission to sit and to be with whatever comes up.
0: Hmm... A lot to think about. Yeah. It's true.
1: Yeah. Mm. Yeah, a lot of the roadblocks, I feel, that we meet in life, sometimes you feel like, oh, why did God or the universe put the, these things in my way? You know, why can't I just be free of them? And then you realize that maybe they're there to make you see a different perspective, to, to, to consider the possibility of a different truth. Mm. Like for me, um, I don't have a good relationship with my half-sister. So we have the same mom, but when my mom married my dad, she already had my sister. So we, we like most siblings, we have that up and down, but we have a lot more downs than, than ups and there are times we don't speak to, other, to, to each other for several months. And she's always like this little thorn, right? When I, when I think of her, I'm like, Ugh, there's, there's this sigh that comes with it. And I was kind of resigned to, to, to having that sort of a sisterly relationship with her. And then we went for Vipassana this year for, for 10 days in, in Kyoto. Once again, I don't know how to tangibilize it for you, because I know you're going to ask me. But when I came back, um, it took me some time. I was continuing to meditate. And before Vipassana, I did a raw chocolate course. So I'm actually a raw chocolatier. And it just came to me one day that she's vegan, very, very strict in her diet. And she once mentioned to me several years ago that it's hard to find good chocolate now that I know how to make raw chocolate and I have full control about what goes into it, maybe I can make it for her. And so I did. And that doing was something that I never would have done even eight months ago. Mm. Yeah, That shift, it just happened. And that shift doesn't happen through asana. That shift happened because I had to sit with myself and my thoughts for more than 10 hours a day in... Of the par retreat
0: hmm. mm. there is something to learn from this what that, I mean like yeah there is something to learn la. there is something to because to, uh, so often do we reject the idea of being in that uncomfortable state. The moment yeah. we find something that's uncomfortable, we want to distract our minds with something or do something else to like not think about that thing. Yeah. But then that's always been the formula. Something bad happens, you just do, you just like, oh, just run away from it. Mm-hmm. But then what happens if we decide to, no, no, let's, let's see where this goes. Let's sit down and let yeah. me take it. We take the, the discomfort, the, the whatever, and every part of our body, physically, mentally, we are rejecting it. We don't want to be in this position, yeah. but then. But then you know through the through the vipassana through the meditation through the quiet sitting mm. the solution reveals itself yeah uh, or you know when you take a shower and you come out like we mm. uh, forgiveness epiphany, forgiveness
1: yeah. reveals itself and i wasn't just forgiving her i was forgiving me mm. right but to come back to what you were saying like the states of discomfort that we inherently don't like in the tradition of vipassana we call it aversion
2: mm.
1: you know um And even when we think that we are acting on the most conscious, conscientious level, deep down inside in the recesses of our mind, it already has already decided a lot of things for us. Because there's so much stimulation that comes in, your brain cannot possibly process every single thing, every single nanosecond. So there are already patterns that are formed inside our mind, you know? Like because of my my difficult relationship with my sister, I realized that whenever somebody walks towards me and she looks like my sister, like long hair, same oh. build, I mean, I don't hate the person on sight, but as we start to walk past each other, I will hold my breath for a few seconds. I will hold my breath. Yeah. So consciously, I'm not deciding to not like that person, but somewhere deep, deep, deep down inside my mind and my conditioning, I was really braced.
0: Mm. You know? Subconsciously, your Sub- body just reacts like uh, you're tasting out. Yeah,
1: exactly, exactly. Almost like I'm braced for, 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 for a fight mm. or something, you know? So I feel like um, quiet sitting, whether we call it meditation or not, it gives us time to kind of like lengthen the, or to see the spaces or the pockets of possibility between what we're actually doing and
0: how we actually react to yeah, that situation.
1: Exactly, mm. exactly.
0: Oh, that's true that little pause if, if, if you're able to take that pause bef- before receiving and reacting yeah to decide how to then react or to to, to being able to decide mm. you know most of the time we do just react someone mm. hits you you hit them back
1: exactly instant reaction exactly it's to just buy yourself that little mm. bit of time to, to make more intelligent decisions
0: that translates to everything in life mm. every aspect yeah. In your work, in your personal life.
1: Hmm. In your lifestyle, basically. Hmm.
0: Yeah. <sighs> yes, I agree <laughs> with everything that has been said so far. Yeah. Let's have some tea. Yes. Where did you get your tea from? Huh?
1: I bought this one in Seoul. Um, yeah, I love my little tea ritual. He doesn't like it so much. So I often get to brew tea when we have friends over, like you're here. <laughs> so I can brew tea and we can enjoy it together.
0: I'm Otherwise,
1: sometimes that. it's the two of us also like, yeah.
0: Yeah, I'll drink, some like, so I'll drink my own tea like at home. Yeah. But I'm running out of, like I don't have any more. Like, wait, I need to buy stuff. Do you do it? Do you brew it? In a tea? I, have, I have a thing, yeah. Let me pass leaves.
1: you some. I have a lot. I have too many leaves. <sighs>
0: Thank you. Yeah, yeah. But, so this one is This yuzu, is Yuzu, right? yuzu tea yeah. from Seoul. But when from you get Seoul. it from, like always, when you travel,
1: uh, I don't have a... To be honest, because we right. travel a lot, yeah, so, so we already, pick up a yeah, lot. Yeah. And I think friends know I like tea, so mm. they give me a lot of tea as well. Yeah. So I often have more than I'm able to consume. Okay.
0: Mm. Yeah. Mm, okay, cool.
2: Yeah. Mm. Uh, <laughs>
0: advice for teachers.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: What are some advice for um, new teachers, new TT students? What are some advice for... Any, I guess any teacher in a, uh, uh, who 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 might be going down a wrong path, let's say.
1: Mm. But know? there's no right or wrong yeah, that's, path. That's
0: true. That's the, I phrased the question in the wrong way. Mm. I guess just, just what are some advice okay. that you can give teachers through your own experience?
1: Okay. Mm. Um, maybe I can circle back to something you said. Like I, I made a little flag in my <laughs> head as well. You know, you're saying that you were teaching basics and mm-hmm. it was easier because they looked up to you and then when you teach like the flow classes it's a little bit harder because mm. like they're on par or, or they're above your mm. par and your par meaning like asana experience or oh, however important? you see yourself like, yeah, right? yeah. yeah. Um, it's inevitable and I went through that as well but I often find that the most sustainable way to teach is to teach from a place of sameness So we're on the same level. So even if a complete beginner comes to class, you know, it doesn't mean that he or she is any less empowered than you or he or she is any less empowered than the person beside who has spent the past five years doing yoga five days a week. And if you approach from sharing from that that space, it makes it easier to teach an open level class Mm -hmm. because you give everybody their power. And it also makes it easier on you because... We are equal, so I'm sharing my experience through this sequence. But in sharing my experience, I'm not telling you what to do.
0: Oh, uh,
1: that's that make sense?
0: Sim- Yeah, what a what a what a nice analogy. What a nice way to look at something in that way. Yeah. Yeah, like that um, that in that miss um, the way you see it. Mm. Right. Like I've been seeing it this way, therefore I feel this way. Mm. Now you've re- you've shown me this way, like oh then. I don't need to see it in that way to feel insecure or, yeah. or any. Way.
1: Yeah, and then when, when when it becomes like that, then there's no competition, yeah. right? Between you and another teacher, yeah. between you and a student, especially it's
0: neutral as well. Like the person who exactly. who expects certain things won't be expecting it anymore because mm-hmm. he understands the intention.
1: Mm-hmm. And I think also is to believe that your vibe <laughs> attracts your tribe. And mm-hmm. if, if people don't resonate with you, then, then they won't, you know, yeah. like they'll find their own teacher. They'll find their own expression of the practice. But if they resonate and they're open to what you have to share, then they will come back. You know, this, we don't need to be there to convince anybody mm-hmm. of the practice or, or of our interpretation of the practice. And the practice is a really broad one, right? You have like acro yoga on one hand and then yin yoga on the other or like mm-hmm. restorative yoga. Different things, different folks, different strokes. Yeah. I think, yeah, I, I, I don't feel like I'm suitable to give advice to other teachers. But if I had to share, I think that what, that's what works for me Mm -hmm. to share instead of teach. Mm -hmm. Because if I teach you, then I'm assuming that I know more than you. But if I share with you, then I am open to the possibility that you have something to teach me. And, I mean, the whole TT, for example, I was sharing with you guys, like my philosophy, things that I believe in, things mm. that I've been studying and, and, and all that. Because I wasn't teaching, teaching, maybe that's why I wasn't tired. And there's also that mutual exchange as well. That's true. As much as I'm sharing with you, you guys are sharing so much with me and one another. And, you know, yeah, maybe you, do, you haven't been teaching for as long as I had, but the experiences that everybody brought to the table, I learned a lot from that as well. Mm.
2: Yeah,
0: that's nice. Mm.
2: Yeah.
0: Your, tell me about. <laughs> tell me. <laughs> Why do you look about... so emotional? I feel emotional. I mean, like
1: when I talk to you, sometimes like you end up having tears in your eyes. Why? <laughs> <laughs>
0: it it brings me back to the tt mm-hmm. it, it it's a nice it's a nice uh reflection and a lot of the things that, that we talk about now mm-hmm. it's it's nice it's nice to hear it's nice to resonate with mm-hmm. and it's it's just nice to hear like it's it's a i'm like in my mind i'm just agreeing with everything that you say and it 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 touches me in certain ways yeah
1: Okay, I'm glad. Actually, to come back to to, to the advice bit Mm. that you were talking about, I also think that there is value in trusting that everybody who shows up in that particular class was meant to be there. Even if it's a complete beginner in a flow class in which you design a Mm. difficult sequence or A super advanced practitioner in a basics class, for example. You know, if we trust that these people were put in our path at that point in time, then there's no expectations, there's no stress.
0: Mm. Mm. That's true. Yeah. Ah, Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, yeah, the best way to live is to surrender, right? I am, to a certain degree, a control freak, comes with Mm. the pitta. But uh, I've realized more and more that the more I trust that whatever I experience is meant for me to experience. Then life becomes very free. Yeah, The suffering comes when I have that aversion towards things that I don't want to Mm. experience.
0: It's a skill. Letting go is a skill. Yeah, you know, it's You really have to consciously, like, okay, release the fingers, slowly relax the muscles, like, literally let go. Mm,
2: mm.
1: And there's also a fine line, like, you know, how much do you let go of? Mm. And if you completely, completely let go, can you still interact with the world in a way that is meaningful?
2: Mm. Mm. That's true. Yeah.
1: These are things that I talk about with Max and yeah. Edmund very often we meet every Friday and we have like these little discussions That's over nice. over prata and coffee <laughs> okay yeah uh,
0: okay mm-hmm. oh yes yes uh, what I wanted to ask you was that uh, tell me more about this um, past life
2: <laughs>
0: when you casually mentioned <laughs> it during the TT yeah. I, I was just I can't remember who was looking I was like did she just say that she <laughs> is uh uh, What's studying about past lives? Huh? Just like, <laughs> just like <laughs> tell us more about what this is.
1: Okay, so it's past life regression. Right. Um, if anybody is interested, they can Google this guy called Brian Weiss. B R I A N W E I S S. Should be that way. Okay. Yeah. So he's a psychiatrist. And, um, He introduced past life regression to the mainstream audience when... So I think like in in psychiatry and psychology, they have regression therapy. But regression therapy is meant to bring you to past incidents or maybe your childhood where you suffered through certain trauma and that's kind of like impacted you in the way you interact with the world now. So he was doing regression therapy with a patient, but she regressed to her past life. So that was like his first... um, Experience with okay. it as well, from from a therapist's point of view. So that's something that I'm very interested and passionate about. How did you, and, and how did you
0: even come across something like this? You were just reading hmm. about him or psychology, and then like no,
1: okay. Do you believe in past lives?
0: That's the thing. Like you kind of have to 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 think. I mean, I don't not believe or believe. I just it's never something that I thought I would want to think about.
2: Yeah.
0: Do I believe in past lives? Hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't know, I don't, I mean, the, it might be, there's all these like people in the world, reincarnation might not be a, a crazy thing to, to think about. It sort of makes sense if you want to continue the circle of life, which I do see the circle of life happening in the world, like animals and atoms and all these things, like there is a unity. Yeah. So reincarnation might be part of that unity for all I know.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: So I believe in mm. past lives. It's never been something that I questioned. It was just a belief, mm. but I never felt like I had to champion it or, or to fervently share it with anybody. Mm. I lost my aunt two years ago after a she had a nine-month battle with really invasive and progressive breast cancer. So, my aunt is the most important person to me in my life. And to watch her die and to support her through her dying was a really, was a time of growth for me. It was a painful period, but I felt happy because I was able to sit with the discomfort and the fear. So, those nine months supporting her to die. It's a little bit morbid, but if we talk about happiness as freedom from aversion, then those were the happiest nine months of my life. Because I accepted the fact that she was going to die. Fear of her death no longer had a hold on me. Yeah. And then I lost her. And I think I dealt with it okay. Like, I wasn't breaking down and all of that, and I was... Like Mel, from from home, she was very supportive. I asked for time off, and I was only teaching one class, my my regular Thursday class, for pretty much uh, four to five months because I was taking care of my aunt. I moved her in with us. But after she passed on, I think grief presents itself in different ways. And uh, maybe about two to three months around that period after she died, I started to get flashes of past lives, my past lives. And I get them at the most random timings. So I've had them before in really sporadic individual times, usually like at the end of Shavasana when I'm in that state of surrender maybe. But I started to get these spontaneous regressions pretty often and I usually can't control when I get them. So I could be sitting on the couch watching tv and all of a sudden i'm experiencing this past life and i only know i'm done experiencing it when i'm back here watching tv
0: these are visions visions visions
1: visions visions and like a knowing like a deep knowing
0: are they the same are they the same instances so different different past past lives lives, so we don't have we have more we have more than one past life
1: if you believe in it if you believe in it and a lot of my past lives were in india
0: (laughs) Uh (laughs) could i explain that you better Yeah. so, a
2: lot
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. so it, it, it happened so often and I was so tired and it happened even more often when I was tired mm. and I, I started to get worried like what if I get a past life flash when I'm crossing the road I could get hit by a car right because I'm not aware and I'm not present so I decided that you know what maybe it's happening because there's something I need to revisit in a past life So I started to find out more about it. Helps that I have a lot of hippie friends who are into it already. Mm -hmm. And I started to Google, started to um, hear reviews from Mm -hmm. other people who have done it. And I found this lady, Antoinette. Antoinette, um, She's French, but she practices a small practice in Singapore. And I approached her to do a clinical, like a proper, in a proper setting, a past life regression for me. And I told her that usually people who go to past life regression, they are crippled by something in this life and they can't seem to get out of the cycle mm. or, or do anything about it. Then they turn to past life regression as a kind last of like resort. a last resort. But when I went to her, I said like, look, I don't know why. Like there's no particular event in my life that I'm, I'm looking to clarify. Mm. But I just keep getting these flashes. Like, could you help me out? So I did a past life regression with her, and in that life, I met my aunt again. Um, do you want to hear about it? Yeah. So it was a life where I was Indian. Um, don't know where I was, but the soil was a little bit red, and uh, I was living in a coastal village, I think. So in a past life regression, you're fully present. So it's not like she hypnotized me, and then if she asked me to... Uh, I don't know, flap my hands, I'll flap my hands. No, there's, there's still so a lot of... So you're still aware where still you are aware. in this room? Yeah, clear, and I, if, I, if, if I need to use the loo, I can say, hey, can we pause for mm-hmm. a while? I need to pop to the loo. So it's very, very awake in that sense. So when she brought me into that regression state, she often, like she asked me, so where are you now? Have a look down at your feet. What are you wearing? Wow. Uh, what's the color of the, the ground underneath your feet? And then we established that I was bare feet, um, I was Indian, a young, maybe teenage Indian girl. And I was standing on a cliff looking out to, to sea. And then she started to orientate me around the area. And I have to be really visual in how I describe to her because she's not in my head, right? And then she said, what do you see? And I said, I see a rocky beach. Mm-hmm. And she said, okay, is there anybody on that beach? And I said, yeah, there's, there's a, there seems to be an old lady cooking something over a fire. And she said, how do you feel about her? I looked in my mind. I said, yeah, she feels safe. And she said, okay, go on towards her. So I approached the lady, and um, she had this colorful veil over her head, as some, some Indian women do. And the therapist asked me, do you know her? And then I said, at first I said no. And then it hit me. The soul just knows. That is my aunt. That is my aunt. And I just knew. And how I know that it's not my imagination is that I just broke down in tears. And I was sobbing on that bed for a good 15 minutes.
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah, so um, to cut the long story short, many people turn to past life regressions from what I read in Dr. Brian Weiss's writing when they are grieving for a loved one. Mm. And knowing that they have spent lifetimes together before gives them comfort. It's like a bomb that, you know, the story may have ended in this life, but that's not to say that we didn't have past lives prior. And that's not to say that we will have, we will not More have lifetimes times. before.
0: So so what does this mean then? So that this, So what you're telling me is that in your past life, you've met your Aunt. Yeah. So then, if let's say this is true. Let's hypothetically in this past life thing is true.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: This means that we are all connected. We've all met each other before in a certain level because... Could be, could you know be what not. I mean? Because if everybody's the same person and different people, mm-hmm. we've all met like, oh, my past self has met your future son or like my dad is you know all uh, it's all connected right because everybody is just anybody
1: that's a beautiful way to look at it i've never seen it that way
0: it, and 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 what's the um like how do you like why am i this person in my past life and not that person mm-hmm. did did, they, did she explain it to you like why were you in india or mm-hmm. why were you a woman why were you a man why were you mm-hmm. like what's the
1: so from my very basic understanding of soul theory mm. is that right before we embody a material body the soul would have already chosen what it wants to learn so you come into this life with a lesson you want to learn and chances are over the years if you start to be more aware it's going to be something that keeps coming up in your life you know it could be like a why do i always have trouble with authority for example. And then it keeps coming up in different relationships, different scenarios. Mm. That could be a lesson that your soul chose to learn. Mm. Okay. Yeah. So that's soul theory.
0: And then every life is an opportunity to learn that lesson. lesson.
1: But maybe in this life, because when we, the moment we embody the material, am I getting too woohoo? No, yeah, go on. (laughs) Okay. Like the moment you embody this material frame, you forget. You forget Mm. that you are an eternal soul. And you start to get sucked into the bondages of material life. Which, I mean, it's pretty pleasurable, right? Yeah. And you forget. And if you don't awaken in time before you die to remember the lesson, it repeats. then you have to pick a different life to learn a lesson. Mm. So I like soul theory because um, in Max's words, it's like empowered karma. Mm. When we think about karma, we often think of it as I do something, I did something bad, I have to pay for it. Maybe I'm suffering in this life because I did something bad in my past life, for example. Mm. But does that mean that people living in war-torn countries were really evil people in, in their past lives? I don't know. But if we talk about empowered soul theory, empowered karma theory, it could be that for many lifetimes, they've been trying to learn a certain lesson. But they couldn't learn it. They couldn't remember it. And maybe their soul chose to embody a body born into a war-torn country in order to to learn learn that that lesson.
2: lesson.
1: So that, 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 that makes sense to me. That does
0: make sense. Yeah. If we take this idea of past lives and souls and everything is all connected, then everything sort of makes sense.
1: Yeah. And you know what? Like for many years when I was... Um, studying yoga and I mean the, the Gita was something that people say you must read mm. but I have understood why why must we read the Bhagavad Gita and then I read it and it, it hardly impacted me mm. and if you read it which I hope you no, did I didn't okay, you did. It's,
0: on a, it's on my list Yeah, it
1: was on the TT list as well it was, was.
0: It wasn't on the compulsory
1: list <laughs> okay yeah. fine but he talks about the, the eternal soul mm. you know like why do you fear death when your soul is eternal when I read that like eight years ago, I'm like, what is he talking about? I don't understand. But having experienced past life regression, having oh. been interested in, in, in soul theory, and I'm going to do a training mm-hmm. sometime later, it makes sense now.
2: Yeah,
1: It makes sense now. The soul is eternal. And the way Dr. Brian Wise, he, he describes it, is like, right now, we're so obsessed with staying alive. You know, we may be driving a really beaten up truck, but, you know, we want to like change this, change that just to get the truck going for another two years, three years. Mm. But if we can surrender and understand that the soul is eternal, then we won't fear and fight death so much because it's like slipping out of a beaten up truck
0: into something new. Into
1: something. It could be a Ferrari waiting Mm. for you in the next one. And then you just slip into that Ferrari.
0: Mm, this is all very abstract thinking. I mean, yeah. abstract ideas, mm-hmm. which I'm happy to, to hear. It's nice to, to like I said, uh, uh, have these different perspectives yeah. on life. Yeah. Um, I like it. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if I believe it. I would love to believe it. Mm-hmm. I'm open-minded. It's nice. But even if I don't believe it, that's still a nice lesson to learn, to know that should this eternal soul thing be like you know just this thing where everybody just keeps being born and reborn born and dying because death is physical yeah it is not spiritual death yeah right you die your body is gone but then you go back to the world and then the, the world comes back you know in a tree and you know whatever reincarnation in the, if, if that was what we're talking about yeah. or even if part, uh, a new life in another time or whatever the world is so big, the universe is huge, I wouldn't be surprised if something like this exists.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, and let's say it does. And I believe it. Mm-hmm. Then this changes everything. This changes how I see the world. I Imagine you take away the fear of death. How empowering or how different you would start to live your life. Yeah. If you're not afraid of dying, everything else changes, you know?
1: Yeah, but that's not... To say like go out and be stupid. Yes, it's
0: not it's not about being yeah. like yeah I'm not gonna die so I'm just gonna like, like you know shoot guns in the sky and burn all my money you yeah. know. It's now now you're 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 not worried about something that you cannot stop.
2: Yeah.
0: And then you focus that energy on something else, on being present, on being. Uh, a nice person to the yeah. people that are there around you now, instead of oh no, I gotta earn all this money to to, to, to get the heart to, to get the transplant to get the Botox or whatever. Yeah. To it, it's it becomes in um in irrelevant. Yeah. You know what? you are, what are you even doing? Like, you know, what, what's all this for?
1: Yeah. Um. Death is the only certainty, mm. right? I mean, I, I'm saying it like it's so easy for me, but of course it's a difficult concept for me to grasp and to embody as well.
0: As, I mean, death is it's a hard thing to grasp for everybody. Yeah. But yeah. if we can understand it in a different way, mm-hmm. then it can give us some sense of...
1: Freedom. Yeah. Freedom. Which, if it's freedom from fear, that is also a sort of happiness, Maybe. isn't it? And I don't know about you but on this yoga path many of us learn that happiness is not in the material Mm -hmm. yeah and it's hard to answer like what then is happiness but having this conversation with you it's clarified for me happiness is freedom 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 from whatever is your bondage or whatever are your bondages to be free is to be happy
0: I think Mm -hmm. that's a great way to close off this podcast.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Thank you for doing this with me. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's been a pleasure. It has been an enlightening experience from the point where I first met you till the TT until now. I look forward to a lot more of our interactions. Mm -hmm. Thanks for everything
1: you're most welcome thank you for asking me to do this i was really nervous Uh, by the way (laughs) i was like like, oh i'm starting to sweat (laughs) Uh, my hands are clammy but uh you're right after a while you do get immersed into Mm. it i think it's just getting out my head like oh everybody's gonna be hearing me talk you know
0: i'm glad that people are getting to hear you
1: yeah i hope so i hope so
0: how can people reach you
1: um, I don't have much. Uh, I'm on Instagram. Mm. Sarong skirts. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a funny story. I, I, I used to like wearing sarong skirts when oh. I was young, and I used that as my handle, and it just stuck. I, I never thought about changing it.
0: It's a nice handle.
1: Yeah. yeah. Sarong skirts. And I have a sporadic newsletter that I send out to subscribers. Um, sporadic meaning that when I feel like there's something valuable to share, I will share. Mm. So if you're interested in being on the mailing list, then maybe just send me a direct message on Instagram. It's all very uh, ancient because I <laughs> input it myself, a manual yeah. entry. So yeah, that's the best way to, to reach out to me. I'm teaching at home yoga. Um, I don't teach many, many, many classes, but I'm pretty regular on the schedule. So it's not hard to find me, I think. Mm. Yeah, Or well, ask Aaron. Yeah, ask me.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, and I, again, like, so if people do want to get on that mailing list, they will just send you a DM with your, with their email and then you'll just add it to the list. Huh?
1: Email and name. Yeah. Okay. i say hi as well. It's nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's good manners. <laughs>
0: <sighs> yeah. Any final words?
1: No, no. Um, this was great. I really enjoyed it. So thank you. And thank I, you. I really like what you're doing, like your intention with that clear intention. I think everything you do will support it. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Aaron. Thanks. Thanks,
0: everyone. Uh, Oh, that's it. Hey. Hey. Oh, Oh, man. (laughs) I met up with the TT people last night, actually. Uh, We went to David's place for a barbecue. Everyone gathered there. And it was just nice. It was so nice to see everybody again and to catch up and to, to talk to them. Like after, after having gone through the TT and then we, we would be, you know, we went on with our lives for a month and then we met again. Uh, you know, and I remember telling Robert when we, when we went for a swim, I said, like, I was, I was like, I'm, I'm really happy to be here. I'm really happy to see all these people again. To be with this cool to be with this tribe from the TT. Ugh. Uh, yeah, man. I don't know. Ah, fuck. I'm all, I'm all over the place recently. A lot of doors have been opened ever since then. I still haven't really figured out what, what to do. But having listened to this, this conversation, it's, Every time when I listen to it, I just, uh, there's always something to take away and there's always, like, I feel like I am learning a different lesson even by listening to it the same, uh, listening to the same thing over and over again. I've listened to this, like, five times already, just from editing and from, like, you know, (sighs) ah, fucking hell. Okay, it's late, I'm tired, I had a long day. I'm gonna just end it. Mm, same thing as how I always end my parties. If you have any questions, if you have any feedback, drop me a DM. Share this on Insta stories, that's always a great help. Tag me as well, I'll repost it. If you have any questions about the conversations that we had or anything that you wanna ask that we talked about, there's gonna be a lot of things that you wanna ask Lee after hearing the, the, the stuff that she said. You wanna learn about magic? You wanna learn how to make people cry? Uh, You want to learn about your past lives and shit? Oh my god, just find out more from her or from me or or I don't know, Google and shit. Let me know. I don't know. I don't know what's going on half the time. I don't even know what I'm talking about right now. It's past my bedtime. I gotta go to bed. So I'll just end it on this note. Thanks for listening, everybody. So stay tuned for the next one, which is gonna come out. Next week, maybe, hopefully, I don't know, see my mood, see whether I'm busy or not. Okay, bye-bye.